Welcome to Talking Down the Highway, a Beach Boys podcast presented by Strange Currencies Music. I'm Matt. I'm Glenn. I'm Tim. What Hi. up? Hey. Hey. Happy New Year, guys. Yay. Happy New Year. Yeah. This one's actually being recorded in the New Year. Right. The other one dropped in the New Year. Yesterday. Yes. That was January 5th. Today. (gasps) (laughs) January 6th. Wow. We're recording Uh, this on January 6th. Nothing. Has anybody been on the Twitters? Crazy is happening. I don't think. I I haven't. There's an airplane that uh, lost an emergency exit door in Portland uh, (laughs) yesterday. So I, I just heard that like some kid's uh, shirt got stripped off of him. Apparently, yeah. From from the decompression, mm-hmm. I was trying to imagine that. Was uh, it just like a T-shirt that just uh, got like? I don't know. This is that's the one weird wow. detail that people that keep repeating, weird. and I don't know anything more than that. Apparently, a plane take took off, and yeah. like just the side door panel just ripped off mid-flight. Yeah, a big enough hole that like definitely pull one people. or more people out, but apparently oh, yeah. no one was sitting like right there. So right, lucky. Crazy. It was almost a full plane too. Right. Anyway, Yikes. no, no one died. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so twenty twenty four is off to a better start. Um, maybe I guess more, more exciting. Let's keep it going. Then. Well, yeah. about as exciting. Knock, knock, yeah. on, knock on wood. All right. Yeah, excitement is overrated, right? Right. right. Yeah. Hey, right. hey, do we have any? Do we have any news? Do we, we haven't done a listeners update. No, in well, a while. we we haven't done a listeners update because we reached a billion, and yeah, you know, that's that, true. after that, it's kind of bragging. But bragging. I did actually want to talk a little bit about the whole like listenership thing. We always sign off with, you know, rem- reminding our, our listeners to like and subscribe, mm-hmm. you know, smash that like button and all that shit. But I, I was thinking, like, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, when I can tell they start to wind down, I'm like, all right, I'm done. I don't need to listen to the rest of it. <laughs> you know, like, because it's just the customer, hey, yeah. you know, you can buy our merchandise here. And, and then I'm out. Yeah, yeah right, right. So, so it's like, I don't need to hear that really necessarily. So I figured we should start up front by just telling our audience. Okay. And we know that okay. that audience is out there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been growing, by the way. It yeah. is, yeah. But uh, like, subscribe. <laughs> uh, we know you guys are listening, and we, we very much appreciate it. We love our audience. But we just don't have that engagement yet, that's really. What, that's it, what we need. And a mm-hmm. small, kind of um, a small, humble podcast of but a billion listeners mm-hmm. <laughs> needs a little bit more of that kind of engagement to be able to like move into that next level. Mm-hmm. Um, in like, looking at, at some of the stuff that we're talking about this week, I'm looking at some of these videos and stuff that are out there and they got a lot of views and yeah, granted they've been out there two, three, whatever years. And we're, we haven't been out that long. It's like, we're putting some good content together. Yeah, and here. we're spreading the good news. We're spreading the gospel of Brian Wilson out yeah. there yeah. and other people need to hear it. So you should get on. Get on Instagram. Go to Talking Beach Boys. Yeah, we're up to eighty-seven million, million? Uh, 87 followers million. on that. Right, there we, yeah. mi- mil- we assume, right? Assume, the the yeah. numbers that are there you can't are just rounded the to the nearest That's million, right. That's which right. is yeah, yeah. where we've arrived at a billion listeners. Right. It told mm-hmm. us we had, you know, a thousand. Which when when it was nine hundred and something, we were like, okay, nine hundred million. Yeah, so, right. you yeah, gotta most factor likely. out the bots. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, you know, you got to do some the math. Bo- bots are people too. Glenn. Yeah, you got to got to do math, right? That's it. So anyway, uh, we love our audience. We appreciate that you're listening, but those little acts of engagement really do help so here's, with the algorithm and pushing us a little bit higher when people are doing searches. Um, Strange Currencies Music, the the Ooh, website, yeah. it's kicking some ass right Is now. Awesome. Our, our Beach Boys catalog crawl has now become already our most viewed article mm. ever, and it, it's just. 
kicking ass and taking names right now, which is great because if you do certain search things, like we're almost the first thing that shows up mm, now. Nice, when nice. you talk like Beach Boys albums ranked or whatever, well, we're we even are. ahead of YouTube videos that have way, way, way more vid, uh, you know, views than than we have reads. There it's we like, go. All right, that's good. It's good content. It's a great article. There, there is some nice. good stuff out there. There's, we've even done uh, like a wilderness. Uh, I think we might. We did. We, we did two wild, wilder. <laughs> right. is, are Boys, they wildernized? Wilderness. Yeah, if they're wilderness. Definitely, yeah. there are Sasquatches amongst the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, maybe we need to remember to push that a little bit yeah. too. That oh, we have those yeah. two in the wilderness. Uh, yeah, we'll probably articles. we'll probably touch on those a little yeah. bit. So yeah. for those of you who don't mm-hmm. know, yes, this is a Beach Boys podcast, but uh, we all, all also engage on a larger, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of a pop culture ring of as it relates to the music and with strange currencies. Yeah, I think music.com in the wilderness stuff. I think was where I realized that I was just assuming that Al sang all the high parts. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a minute, wait a second. You've you've come a long We've way grown. in your Beach We've Boys grown. knowledge since yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and we're actually going to come and talk back about that, not in this episode, but in the next mm, one. Okay, okay. I'm going to revisit right. some conversation that mm-hmm. happened on yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. There might be some. There might, but yeah. hey, hey, we uh, let's take a quick break here, and we're going to come back and talk about the. Thing that we're talking about this week. I'm happy. <laughs> we uh, we just finished our uh, two episode arc on pet sounds, and right. so what comes next? Well, I've already written, you know, maybe the greatest album of all time, and now I'm going to make a teenage symphony to God. Just a what? quick quick aside. What less, is that? Less now, now that we've said that phrase, can we now never say it again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time smile comes up, that's uh, someone's got to say, "It's a free to God." Uh, yeah. Sorry, I just well, now, was that part of the Derek Taylor marketing thing, or I, is that something know. Brian actually think, was saying to I, people? Uh, I'm not really sure. I think, I mean, in that TV movie, it was it was shown as Brian saying it. Yeah, I don't know. In the documentary, uh, "Beautiful Dreamer," I forget what the person who says it who they attribute it to, mm-hmm. but it's just it always pops up, and I'm kind of sick right. of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway. But but the pre- but the premise is there, yes. And, and I, I I like it because it reminds us where maybe Brian's head's at. You know, was, we've we've been talking through pet sounds, and this was like this catastrophic breaking open of like mm-hmm. a new kind of way that Brian's now looking at music. And so, what is next? And it's almost like you know there was this. We'll talk more about this comp- competition he has in his mm-hmm. mind with. Phil Spector with the Beatles. And I almost get a sense that Pet Sounds dropped. It's blown away anything that the Beatles done. Mm -hmm. Part of me kind of wants to think of that whole uh, Teenage Symphony to God as that, as that. You're going to have to like do a. Yeah, like a word of the day. (laughs) Pee wee. (laughs) Anyway. That that (laughs) he's not competing with the beach, with the Beatles anymore. He's Mm. now. He's communicating on a higher level. Yeah, that makes sense. And I kind of like that. I sure. like that. Although yeah. he's still very, very he is, much. He's very Beatles. much. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, I will say he, he's at least like blown Spectre's ass out of the water yeah. now. But he's now he's like 
still definitely focused. I will say that Derek Taylor did come up with Pocket Symphony for Good Vibrations. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, and, and we haven't even said the name of the project yet. So we're, we are I talking, of course, about the Smile project now. But yeah, um, you just mentioned the other uh, the other name. And, and before we get to Smile, we have to really kind of start talking about what is the follow-up single to Pet Sounds. And yeah. that is, of course, Good Vibrations. Right. So Pet Sounds drops in May of 1966. Mm-hmm. By that point, Brian had already been pretty heavily engaged in working on Good Vibrations. In fact, he had pretty much started working on the song during the Pet Sounds sessions. He did. And he's like, all right, this thing's going to be involved. It's going to be really complex. I'm going to put that aside while I finish mm-hmm. Pet Sounds. Now the Pet Sounds is, is out and, mm-hmm. and that hit, it's out of his hands. He's turning his attention back now to Good Vibrations. Right. Which does feel kind of like the next step in his development, mm-hmm. because if we're going to break down good vibrations here, but he, he started to now, I mean, I guess there were like symphonic elements right. in Pet Sounds, but now oh, like, yeah. like good vibrations now dials it up even another mm-hmm. level. And at this point, he's now, maybe he's earned this leeway with Capitol Records oh. because he's d- delivered Pet Sounds. <laughs> Artistically, yeah. yes. Commercially, maybe not as much because right. Capital doesn't care about the the reviews as much as it cares about the sales numbers. Yeah. But that's the thing about Good Vibrations. It's like, I, I mean, in hindsight, we know he spent so the much on studio well, time because he he's yeah. in. It, it was so successful. That's the one that got him carte blanche for Smile. Right, but Correct. even at the mm-hmm. time, he spent so much yeah. on Good Vibrations. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, oh, it was the most expensive single right. ever recorded. Yeah. And so he's in what five different studios. Recording Four bits, five, I think it yeah. was, yeah. Bits and pieces um, of uh, of this. It costs somewhere in the tens of thousands. There's all kinds of varying rumors. There was yeah. one source that said just the Electro Theremin was $15,000. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> so, <no. laughs> well, so one thing that we you know need to add for context here, like why is a song being recorded in four different studios? Well, because Brian is now engaged in a very, very different kind of composing and, and recording that he is going to refer to as modular recording. Mm-hmm. The idea that he, he was going to put into effect here with good vibrations is you write pieces, what, what he calls feels, mm-hmm. um, and you record those things as their own little pieces, 20, 30 seconds or whatever, and then you find a way to just sort of assemble them all together. And so, yeah, he is you know working in a very different way than I'm going to have a group of 20 musicians out there that I'm directing and I'm going to, you know, record all of the instruments at, at once and, and we're going to do all that and then I'll bring the boys in to sing over it. He's now saying, no, I'm going to record this little fragment here mm-hmm. with this group of people. I'm going to record a different fragment here with this group of people and then eventually we'll find just the way how, how do we stitch it all together. Which is mm-hmm. bananas. It is. Because that's and, kind and of... too. That's kind of how... <laughs> Touche. Uh, uh, Banana Louie being the names of mm-hmm. Brian Stocks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's wild because here, this is how music is kind of made now. Like with, with computers and tr- multi-tracking. Like, like in many ways, he's doing like a, a super modern way of production, but in like way, way ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Because like... That that kind of talking about okay, I'm gonna I got this little kind of section here, this little segment here. Like DJs, yeah. are, that's that's what Pro Tools is kind of made for. You mm-hmm. can kind of like you know shift segments around and yeah. pop them. Whereas they're doing this with tape, right? And so he's got like <laughs> reels and reels of this 
uh, of these little mm-hmm. slices of, and he's literally splicing, the tape. literally yeah. splicing mm-hmm. tape and putting them together. And yeah. and you can hear it on the final cut. Like that's one yeah. of my favorite you, things. You can hear the edits. Very yeah. hard transitions. Which, yeah. which mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite things to do uh, with with people if I can get them like oh. to allow me to like geek out uh-huh. a little bit. <laughs> and so like I sat my brother down and I'm like, dude, l- let me show you something. And like they all know good vibrations because it's right. a pop song. Like yeah. we've all heard it on the radio. But like I'm like, listen. He's in, he's in, you know, whatever Sun Studio or what are the what West, were Western and Gold West, Star he was in West Star, big ones. Western here. And then listen, cause he's going to cut in a session from Gold Star and we're listening. It's like, boom, you yeah. can hear it. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, I never noticed that before. Yeah. And, and so like the, the, the song good vibration start to finish has like a piece from like five different right. studios it's and got you all can these totally sections, hear them. And it's still under four minutes long. It's incredible. And it's totally catchy yeah. and totally like accessible. Yeah. It's a pop masterpiece. And, and, totally and weirdly, is. they were still worried that it was too long. Right. right? Like three and a half <laughs> minutes or whatever. Because that was kind of long. I guess for, so for them. Yeah. For 1966. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> well, it still fits on a, on a seven inch, right? Or, yeah. or on Oh a, yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's be honest. This song is definitely fucking with the formula. Ooh, like yeah. it, it's mm-hmm. it's destroying the formula. Yeah, totally. And yet it's a massive, massive smash. The the biggest hit of their career. It's their third number song one. to go to number one. Yeah. Their first million selling single. Well, you know why? It's because Mike Mike Love wrote it. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> why. Obviously. That's why it went big. Mm-hmm. I do have some minutia and some trivia uh, oh, about all this. So we talk about him using all these studios. And well, first of all, this recording process started during the pet sound sessions, like you were saying, but it just resulted in that when I played you guys off mic, which is this early version of Good Vibrations that mm. just kind of jumps right into the chorus and it's missing a lot of those part individual like sections. Uh, I it's not very good. Um, so he shelves that like the the boys wanted it to be on pet sounds like this this could be really good on this album, and he said no, and that's when you know they put that out, and then he started to focus on doing mm. it in the modular way. Uh, the first round of lyrics were co-written by Tony Asher, mm-hmm. but they were scrapped. Yeah. Um, but and Asher... He ended up using those lyrics later for the solo of Brian Wilson Presents Smile. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah. But Asher was the one that told him to, to name it Good Vibrations instead of Good Vibes, because he thought that was too... Mm-hmm. What did he say? Too trendy. Um, can I can I interject a little yeah. bit of Mike Love uh, trivia then, Tier? Mm-hmm. Uh, to that... <laughs> well, I, I, I somehow... Um, while my while grieving my father's death, I I double that got dark. I, I, I double down on the darkness and, oh, and right. read Mike Love's autobiography. Right. So I'm like crying tear. Yeah, anyways, so Mike Love <laughs> claims that Brian had written it, uh, good vibrations, and kind of given him a cut of it, and he was supposed to write the lyrics, mm-hmm. and so he went and he he like flaked. He forgot to do it. Oh, and he was driving he him in the car <laughs> and he was driving to the studio. Crap. We got to record vocals today. Mm-hmm. And he wrote him. He's like, what rhymes with vibrations? Excitations. Excitations. <laughs> Freaking so many better words. He could have come up Implications? with. Implications. I mean, hesitations like, hmm. Oh my gosh. 
Well, yeah. But and so, so, so my argument is, mm-hmm. yes, Mike Love has a uh, writing credit on oh, Good Vibrations. Well, by all accounts, he did come up with a do, 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 do. Because the version you just heard, right, it skips that. all that. It's in the background, but it doesn't include it. Fine, but then he just made mm-hmm. it silly with this nonsensical word that's... Uh, Look, you I know think what? it's okay. It's so catchy. We're, we're it doesn't gonna matter. Lo- we're going to lose some listeners right. if we don't at least acknowledge when occasionally Mike Love does something positive mm-hmm. yeah and okay. he's credited with that hook and it's a fucking great hook okay. i mean l- let's, let's be honest um he he you know mm-hmm. even a you know stopped clock is right twice a day right so two three times a day yeah yeah according yeah. to gary Pusey. um oh. so, so at one good point, job mike funny thing is that after that those lyrics were established he uh, brian offered van dyke parks the chance to rewrite him but he said no because he didn't want to alienate Mike Love, which, of course. Interesting. Um, what else? What Foreshadowing? Else? There How'd is that, a, how'd that turn out? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there's a line in there. Uh, she she goes with me to a blossom world. It's right. oddly, it feels oddly cut off, and it doesn't. it's not a rhyme with the mm-hmm. previous line. That's because it was supposed to include we find. Mm-hmm. Blossom world, we find. But Brian mm-hmm. decided not to include it. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. I think part of it was, well, they would have probably assembled all of the pieces by the time they recorded the vocals. So yeah, I was going to say that might've been part of the reason, but yeah. Yeah. Allegedly he wanted to just highlight the bass line going into the chorus more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another fun fact, Dennis was supposed to sing lead, but he had laryngitis that day. So Carl stepped in at the last minute. Uh, Carl sings it. Um, oh, there's a quote from the wiki I gotta read In early September The master tapes For Good Vibrations Were stolen <laughs> Mysteriously They reappeared Inside Brian's home Two days later <laughs> What? I don't know the, the primary source For that The link Was like Paywalled So I had no we, idea <laughs> Al What happened? Yeah. Right yeah. Hey Al yeah, that's right. You can call me, Al. Yeah, call us. <laughs> T- we want to know what happened. happened. Yeah, that's, somebody, that's right. somebody knows something about yeah. that. I'll bet it was Mike Love. Mike, yeah. Mike did it. No, I mean, Al talked him down in the. He's like, no. I mean, it's this is this written like Mike. With this the is really way good. too much. No, yeah. Mike. Yeah. You is, know, I mean, Al talked him down. He's like, give it back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. know. This is written like Brian did it, but it doesn't explain why. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. took maybe he took him home to protect them. Just oh, to add, to add <laughs> some hey, more mystique. A, hey, and more foreshadowing. There's a lot of paranoia. Yeah, as oh, we that's enter true. This that's era, true. So, by the way, um. Go online to the, I think it's called YouTube. Oh, okay. What uh, is this new? And search uh, Good Vibrations Ed Sullivan Show. Because mm. it's a really cool video. It's like, first of all, they're all wearing these like white suits. And Carl is just, he's like the front man. He's doing great. He's got the sideburns. And yeah, you do see Mike Love there. And he's playing something that's, I, you guys want to talk about the electrotheremin. We kind of beat it to death a little bit last time. Yeah, no, no, let's do it. Okay. Just more fun facts. These are the things I like. So, first of all, last time I said the Wikipedia made it sound like there was literally only one electrotheremin, and Paul mm-hmm. Tanner always played it. Couldn't find confirmation of that. But this guy, David S. Miller, who is the co-creator of the Tannerin, oh, which was okay. built sort of in tribute to Paul Tanner and like a little bit smaller and easier to handle, uh, he says that there were two versions of the electrotheremin made. One of them, the early one, had like a an arc sort of motion you had to use, and then oh. the the other one was the like the slide. just the slide, the straight linear thing. Um, and it was actually built by a guy named Bob Witzel, but Paul Tanner and him developed it together. And it was okay. like, I think it was Tanner's idea. He was a trombone player for Glenn Miller. Um, uh, but, but like, that's the, right, right. And so I think, I think Mike Love does play that. Well, he does. Uh, so that, that's the other fun anyways. fact I got from the same guy, Miller. 
the thing he's playing live, and you'll see this in the Ed Sullivan video, it's just like a strip, like a magnetic strip that mm-hmm, he has his, mm-hmm. his finger going up and down on. That was called a Moog ribbon controller. Oh, okay. And it was, right. it was built specifically for them so they could play this song live. Interesting. So he is playing that, but it's not the same instrument. It's, it's like a variation like a on it. Yeah. So okay. You start to see where all that budget is going. Mm-hmm. Oh, and We're like building new instruments yeah. here. Right. Like this is mm-hmm. next level stuff. We're like changing the way recording's done and changing the way writing is done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, come yeah. on. And I'll say Mike uh, in the Ed Sullivan performance, he, um, he had a, a strategy with his hair. He's not wearing a hat. His hair is long, but it's definitely like a comb over kind of thing. Mm, okay. Yeah, but it it works. Like on first glance, you're like, this is not a bald man. But we all know the truth. Yeah. yeah. We, we know what you're we, hiding. We, we know what's up. Okay. So okay, so that's it. So so mm-hmm. good vibrations here. Smash hit. Yeah. Holy crap. Comes out in We've October. Got, there were a lot of people smashing the like button on that one. <laughs> there were. Yeah. And, and so now we're like stratosphere now. Now yeah. This is like, okay, we can see glimpses of what if we let Brian do his thing. So now he's got carte blanche. Yeah. And now Brian is the, the, the wonderkin. Is, is the whole genius, Brian's a genius? Is, the, is that around this that, time? Well, that was coming yeah. around with Pet Sounds. Really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so like even that now is catapulted. And so now it's like, okay, what would happen if we just let Brian go? Um, the boys go on tour, Brian. So, so yeah. that's that's where we are contextually yeah. as mm-hmm. we enter what we're calling the Smile Project. Right. We're like, okay, Brian, go do more of this. Go, like, let's put something together. Take good vibrations and let's take this new modular thing mm-hmm. that you're doing and, and it, go for it. It kind of, yeah. He meets Van Dyke Parks at a Terry Melcher party. And I don't think any writing had even started before that point. This is July of 66. Mm-hmm. And then they get together and start like coming up with ideas and stuff. Yeah, and they are um, kind of operating on this idea that they're going to take the you know Brian's modular approach and now expand that out to a whole LP. We're going to make right. an entire record mm-hmm. that is composed of these feels, these little short pieces, and uh, yeah, just kind of make this it was that like a, shall not be said by piecing together fragments and mm-hmm. and it's a brilliant idea now where idea. are the Beatles at this time well I was gonna say this is a response to the British invasion like there's right. quotes from Van Dyke Park saying like you know American bands are singing in like fake British accents and mm-hmm. this and that and we wanted to make something that was explicitly American right um, with sort of like yeah Americana themes. yeah it, which mm-hmm. is kind of like uh, you know the Rhapsody in Blue Rhapsody is, in Blue right big it's influence, yeah. kind of that that mm-hmm. influential that's very American yeah and so that was kind of you know, maybe the symphonic undertones of it, but well, to, well, to get to your question about where were the Beatles? So this is summer of '66 when he, you know, when they're putting the finishing touches on "Good Vibrations" and he meets Van Dyke Parks. Revolver was released, I think, in August. I want to say mm-hmm. of '66. Okay. So that's where they are. They're in their last phase of touring. This is, you know, their mm-hmm. their their last American tour. Which after that, they just stopped being a touring group. Mm-hmm. So they're doing their own, you know, sort of retreat in, as studio right. artists as well. And you've got to figure that Brian was aware of that happening, mm-hmm. uh, even though the Beatles were a little bit hush-hush about it for a while, that, that they are kind of taking a page out of the Brian Wilson textbook, mm-hmm. except for they're doing it as a whole band. Right. right. They're, they're like, yeah, we're, we're done touring. We're going to, you know, become studio artists mm-hmm. now. And so now we've got this production race, right. um, this arms right. race right. between it's a race. the two mm-hmm. biggest pop luminaries uh, like Brian Wilson and the Beatles yeah and the first the first band to put out the new sound quote unquote was going to be the winner essentially uh, effectively and, yeah. and we could argue that Brian mm-hmm. had kind of 
done that right. on a single level yeah. in, in well, putting out good vibrations. Mm-hmm. But now he says, I'm going to do this across a whole album. Yeah, We're into the album era. And he and Mike I mean, the both album claim... era. Well, r- real quick to just mm-hmm. sort of a point of context. Between the Beatles and the Beach Boys, we are in an album era now right. where people care much, much more about an album because, you know, as Brian himself said, Rubber Soul was like the first album that, you know, great right. front to back. Then Pet Sounds, now Revolver, and and the single has sort of been supplanted as, yeah. I mean, okay, so the single is the thing that gets people in the door. It's the thing that gets on the radio, of course, but the artistic statement really is the album, is the right. album right. now. Right. Um, but so just as far as the Beatles, Mike and Brian both claim that revolver wasn't really a factor, like obviously rubber soul, but I think the revolver period, according to Mike, you know, he says Brian was in his own world. I think at that point right. he was just kind of in his bubble. Right. Where it wasn't until strawberry fields comes out that mm-hmm. he, he really is like, Oh shit. Well, they kind of beat me to it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, well and, get there. and, and, mm. and I think that that speaks to that, uh, my uh, mindset that I have that like Brian's almost on another level. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Rubber Soul pushed him to try and respond with mm-hmm. Pet Sounds, but now that he's done Pet Sounds, yeah. it's like he's like, okay, well, what's yeah. next? I've I've done it, and he says this isn't even pop ahead. music anymore. This right, point. yeah, right, and mm-hmm. so he's now he's now even stratosphere. You know, he's talking a, a spiritual album, and right. you know, there there's um, there's also nods uh, that we'll talk of, uh, of a humor album or like a a. a, a what a health a health food album. Yeah. Um yeah. and maybe we're gonna do an album of oh, what were the other on on yeah, the the elements and stuff. Yeah, the elements. Did we, right. did we go in the smile without taking a break? Well, well let's take a quick break here. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been pointing at my wrist and oh, I don't know if either of you saw it. I don't pay here. attention to what so, you say. Yeah, dude. Let, we we we've <laughs> talked a lot about good vibrations and, and sort of that context. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we're gonna talk about smile or as it's known, a Blank, blank to blank. So we'll be right back. That's right. We're talking about the Smile Project, the blank, blank to blank, yeah, a blank. Yep. Uh, and so it's time. I I feel like a good way to do this is to round up the usual suspects. I think mm-hmm. we should we should talk because really this is a personnel conversation. I think um, because now we've we know what Brian's capable of. The 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 rest of the boys go off to right. to tour, and so now Brian's surrounding himself with. Uh, wrecking crew, uh, <laughs> not really but, called that, but yeah, not really called not that. Th- those those folks are around. Those but it wasn't just around. the session musicians. Really, in his personal time, he had all these other people around, and yeah. and that's what it really is. Is mm-hmm. really all of a sudden, Brian's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna expand my my yeah. mind here, and I'm gonna go bigger. And so he goes and he goes and um, he buys up like what. <laughs> I have how that. much? How much pot does he buy? Here. You have this? He buys two thousand dollars worth of hash and pot, which is equivalent to eighteen thousand dollars in today's money. Eighteen thousand dollars worth of pot. Uh, oh my gosh! And <laughs> the tent. 
Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, essentially. Well, 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 let's establish first off. Like, yes. it's not just for Brian. Right. He's got a fucking entourage. Yeah, th- and that's yes. my right. point. Right. Yeah. He's got the, the, the entourage. Yeah. Well, and uh, you spend 18,000 mm-hmm. worth of pot. And well, you've got you're like what twenty two years old. He's something? he's probably twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah. But like, oh my gosh, that it's, dude is a yeah. king right now, and he's in he's in Bel Air or whatever. Not I don't know yet. Not, Not yet. yet? Yeah. Okay, but he's in the yeah, hills he's, of LA. He's still Beverly in Beverly Hills. Hills. He's yeah. in Beverly Hills. Excuse me, in Beverly Hills, in his early twenties, with eighteen thousand dollars worth of pot and a fucking entourage. You've got yourself an entourage. An entourage. And so, yeah, one of the, the guys around him is David Anderley. He was mm. like a talent scout or something like okay. that. But he became like kind of an enabler, but not all in a all in bad ways, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, according to him, like everyone like getting this tent, it's basically for hotboxing, was like something everyone was into. And they thought this might help them creatively. Right. Um, now, hold on a minute. Uh-huh. In the documentary, Beautiful Dreamer, they mm-hmm. ask Brian what he did in the tent. <laughs> and he says ate they sandwiches. mostly just ate sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. D- diplomatic response. <laughs> we gotta go with him. That's good. Uh, you know, primary source. Yeah, um, that's right. But the tent cost thirty thousand dollars. What? That's like a fucking like nice Arabian. Yeah, tent and, and which is the equivalent of two hundred and seventy-one thousand dollars <laughs> in today's money. Wow, quarter of a million. He replaced all the furniture. So that's in the, affordable in the housing. Room. Yeah, he replaced all the uh, furniture with gym mats. So he was like, you know, trying to get into this whole exercising thing, but also like. An opium den. <laughs> yeah. So but, th- those pictures of the Beach Boys where they're yeah. like stacked on top of mm-hmm. each other with a dog and yeah, everything, yeah. It, that's in the tent, right? I think so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so so he's got this opium den. I love that. And this is all in preparation for it, writing. It, and, yeah. and you know what's missing is the beach. So uh, that's right. <laughs> aren't they, don't they? Isn't this the same time? It's the same the, time period. The sandbox yeah. is now built. They put yep. the piano in the sandbox, which sounds like a great idea, honestly. Brilliant. Like putting your feet in that, so, you know, it's great. I love it. Oh, apparently, dog, apparently, his dog's shitting it though. The dog, <laughs> the dog's like, it. was it? Was it owl? Didn't Al say he like didn't, wouldn't go did, near did the Al thing? shit in the? <laughs> is that what you're suggesting? Maybe, maybe so. Al. Hey. Al. Al, let us know. <laughs> let us know what was really going down in the sandbox. Yikes. Yeesh. Okay. Well, so he's uh, he's working at home, yeah. by and large. So now, the recording isn't going to happen there. No, but, but he's, well, not he's conceiving. Oh, no, you're right. He's, not at all. He's composing. He's yeah. conceiving. He's getting these ideas. They're all floating around. The working it, title is Dumb Angel, by the dumb way. Dumb Angel. Yeah. And he's got Angel. all these people. So you mentioned David Anderley. Uh, we talked earlier about Van Dyke Parks as mm-hmm. part of part mm-hmm. of the entourage. Yeah. Van Dyke, if uh, I don't know that we've expressed this already, he's there to write mm-hmm. lyrics. He yeah. is a writer. Um, mm-hmm. Brian is essentially almost entirely just saying, Van Dyke, you're doing the lyrics. Yeah. It's even Less of more a collaboration. So, yeah, even right. more so than it had Asher. been with Pet Sounds of Tony Asher, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Who else um, is in the entourage? Um, did, did, Too I many. There's all kinds of different, yeah, uh, yeah, in the documentary we've been speaking of, Beautiful Dreamer, which you can find on, I think, the, the, they call it YouTube? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. Highly yeah. recommended. I think if you're going to watch one Beach Boys-related film, uh, I, well, I, smile. I highly related. Yeah. Like, right. It, it's really all about, but it's a great resource for that. Cause it was directed by David leaf. Who was mm-hmm. like one of their biographers. He yeah. wrote a book about smile. Mm-hmm. Um, there's firsthand interviews with Brian right. and a lot of those people, Anderley's on there. 
there are some people who I don't think necessarily were there, but still were like kind of part of that scene. But the story arc yeah. is great. Yeah. And I, I, lots of good information mm-hmm. and kind of gives you a, a, a window into what was going on. Yeah. It, it's, it's weird. Um, like seeing those people being interviewed as like, you know, normal, <laughs> healthy, functional adults and, yeah. and everything, because the way in which they're depicted in the not best beach boys movie, <laughs> an American family, a John Stamos joint. Yeah. yeah. They're like depicted, you know, that, uh, when in Breaking Bad, when Jesse has yeah. that like <laughs> weeks long house party where there's right. just all the, you know, degenerates yes. laying around yeah. on, totally. you know, mm-hmm. it, they basically portray it as like, that's what's going on in Brian Wilson's house. And that's not what's fucking going on in Brian Wilson's house. Right. <laughs> I mean, these guys are, are, I'm sure there were some people like that, but there, he was cr- also surrounded by a lot of creative people and yeah, well, encouraging him to go to these different, you know, creative places. So. Yeah. And he is. He's mm-hmm. going to some really, really amazing creative places. Well, and that's kind of the other thing is that maybe there was, and that's maybe where the the narratives diverge is there's this one school of thought that, you know, these drugs are what caused all of this. And, and yeah, we they're went not laying around downhill. with needles sticking out of their arms. They're, fucking, <laughs> they're smoking pot. Right. Well, yeah. Well, but again, that's, there's this one school of thought that like, that's this evil thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's what's corrupting John, him. John fucking Stamos. Well, well you know. but then there's the other mm-hmm. supported by Nancy Reagan. There's this other thought that like, this is Brian, like finding the tools that are with him to yeah. like, you know, we talk about the ego. It's this idea that what would happen if I got rid of all of the distractions mm-hmm. and I could almost kind of like get outside of the trappings right. and really tap into what's really important. Get rid of the mm-hmm. the the girls and the root beer and the county fair <laughs> and like talk about actual human root emotions. Root beer was the real problem. I'm just and and sometimes you know mm-hmm. maybe that was something that marijuana was good for, helping you kind of like get rid of right. those distractions. So here, so in regards to the drugs. Um, at, at some point, I don't know what the primary source was, but there's a small quote from Brian where he says that, you know, LSD wasn't really an issue. Like he did the one time, maybe mm-hmm. he did more, but like that wasn't really going on there. Uh, it was marijuana. <laughs> it's like right. he was he clarified. It wasn't LSD. Yeah. It was pot. Yeah. But he's spoken highly about what that had done to his creativity, smoking right. pot. But he was on this other uh, drug called Desbutal, Ooh. which was... Uh, it was used as an antidepressant in those days, but it was mm-hmm. basically meth and barbiturates mixed together, Ooh. which does, it can cause like uh, so, amphetamine psychosis and like paranoia and shit like that. So his brain was pretty fried with that. So that's the other, that's the downfall. That's the other problem yeah. that mm-hmm. we have in the midst of this is that Brian's got some serious mental health issues right. and that, that are going I think on really aggravated. And yeah. when you have this kind of explorative um, mm-hmm. culture with just like pot, running free and barbiturates and whatever yeah. else. Sand, basically basically a, a sand, meth head right. there for a while. Yeah. Maybe opium. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. But, <laughs> but you know, I say opium like den because that's yeah, what the tent was. But anyway. um, yeah. So they get to work though. They do. Right? And they're mm-hmm. in the house. They're in the sandbox specifically. And, yeah. and Brian and Van Dyke spend a lot of time in the sandbox. And they start writing these songs. Fucking glorious. <laughs> Seriously. Mm-hmm. Like in that documentary, they asked Brian, like, what songs did you write in the sandbox? He's like, you know, Heroes and Villains and Wonderful surf's and yeah. surf's, surf's Up. up. And it's like, mm-hmm. good God. Jeez. Like, yeah. we are talking some of the finest pop music ever written. Right. I mean, Surf's Up. Are you are you yeah. fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it's great. What an absolutely glorious piece of of songwriting. 
Just, what the hell does this lyric mean? Well, well and we're going to get into that. We're going to, we're you know, after a break, you know, yeah. right now we're talking about the, the positives here. Right, right. This, this creative atmosphere that Brian and his entourage have created, that, that Van Dyke is, is such a critical part of as well, too. And they are making capital A art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It, it, this is yeah. not the fucking Jesse Pinkman... Scoop. You know, right. crack house that it's portrayed as. This is a creative atmosphere in which they are making f- fucking magic. And they're now. encouraging. They're like all of these people. Now he's being surrounded with people who are like, yeah, no, don't don't make this because it'll make money. Make it because it's valuable and it's right. interesting and it's heartfelt and it's meaningful. Whereas before he's surrounded, you know, he's got Murray uh, and yeah. Mike Love yelling at him to write more about cars well, and engines because that's what will sell well here's such a a a difference you know a a a A and b this in you know 63 to 65 or whatever he's coming up with ideas and he's getting pushed back from his bandmates because like no this isn't this is you're fucking with the formula all that Mm -hmm. now here he is he's bringing stuff to to these friends and they're like this is amazing right like this is great but then he's saying positive yeah it is but I can do it even better. Right. Like they talk about in, in the documentary how he, he'll bring sort of like a finished idea for a song. And they're like, Brian, this is fucking awesome. This is amazing. But then he's like, yeah, well, thanks for the support. But now I'm going to like, you're pushing me to go yeah. edit yeah. it and revise it and put right. this here and, mm-hmm. and move this thing here. And then they bring it. He brings it back to him. They're like, oh, holy shit. What? Right. What? Yeah. yeah. He's very sensitive to feedback. Right. Positive yeah. and negative. And he's getting that positive yeah. feedback. Mm-hmm. And what he is creating here is just glorious. Yeah. I mean, we're we're not talking about this in the way that we do, like we're gonna go through an album, because if you're listening to this, you know what happens. But let's talk about a couple of these songs here. Sure. I mean, surf's up. Yeah. I, I, I I gotta talk about this. Well, Melodically, mm-hmm. holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like that. The the columnated ruins domino, just that melodic phrase is his is vocal breathtaking. Like that, it is amazing. Yeah. That insane falsetto yeah. that he does there too, which I don't so think he good. quite pulls off in the two thousand four. I think some oh, other no. voice comes in. Yeah. yeah, but Van Dyke's lyrics to that song mm-hmm. so good, oh, so good. That is maybe the most poetic pop music written period, maybe even beyond Bob Dylan. Like, it is so, so dense. Yeah. It is so, the imagery imagery, is is so vivid. I cannot tell you what a single line of it means. And yet you walk away from it knowing exactly (laughs) what what the mood, what the song, what it is trying to convey. Right. And it is just so beautiful. Can we talk a little bit about that Leonard Bernstein show? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because like... This is something that happened during the process of recording Smile when it was still like maybe going to come out. Leonard Bernstein had hosts this, uh, you know, kind of documentary sort of show on CBS where he had, devotes a whole section to Brian Wilson uh, and the Beach Boys, I guess, but Brian Wilson primarily, and talks about how like some of this modern day pop. And this is a classical, you know, mm-hmm. conductor. Uh, apparently, there's a movie out about him right now that looks a little wacky, but. Mm-hmm. He talking about how modern pop music at that time was, you know, some of its actual poetry and some of it's like really culturally important. He does say something about like most of it's crap, most mm-hmm. of it's garbage, but the five percent that's good, you know, needs to be paid attention to. So he's bringing this to like a very, very mainstream audience, very like 
you know, square moms and dads yeah, or whatever, right. their living rooms. Um, and specifically, the documentary shows a lot of this, um, like just, just unaltered. And yeah. in the background the whole time is Brian playing Surf's Up on the mm-hmm. piano, and then it keeps cutting to him singing it. Uh, just to illustrate what Bernstein's talking about. And and yeah, all of that stuff is, everything you said is basically what he was saying about it. And then you you see Brian performing it and you hear those lyrics and... Yeah, you don't even need all the a, arrangement and right. production. I mean, just, those things make it even better, but right. just on its own, it's mm-hmm. just a piece of writing. Yeah, it's just a great like showcase of that. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, I've got a uh, another question for you, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Tell me the name of your favorite vegetable. Oh, hey, I will say we were walking in here and mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, Tim had a song stuck in his, you, you had little pads stuck in your yeah, head? Yeah, yeah. I've had vegetables stuck in my head oh, okay. for there you go. the entire week. Like everywhere I go, I've been singing um, favorite vegetables. I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's great. <laughs> so love that song. <laughs> so wacky. Like there's a lot of like, just fun. Now, here's the other funny thing about vegetables. Is this like, uh, can we map the progression of Brian Wilson's writing to his physical health? <laughs> because like, is he eating cheeseburgers at this point? Yeah. There's a point in the doc, I think in the documentary where he says like he got into this whole health kick about like, you know, eat a lot or what is it? Like, um... Run a lot, do a lot, like, never be lazy. Never be lazy. Brush yeah. them, eat a lot, sleep a lot, brush them like crazy. But then and he, he's got at some point he's like, but I was too lazy to do any of that <laughs> stuff. So I just I wanted other people to do it, but then I was just kind of like. But hasn't oh. his hasn't he <laughs> isn't he like three hundred plus pounds at this point? No, he's, he's not no, that not no, that big. No, no. no. Uh, that maybe that's later. Yeah, no, he uh-huh. he got he got big in the seventies. That's like the bedridden. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, so he's, he's. I mean, he's he's getting chubby. He's a little chubby, but he's he's doing fine. But he's not like he's living a gym, healthy lifestyle. But he's got gym mats in the uh, right for, instead of furniture. I think it's more, and, he's, got, more inspiration. he's got serious, serious munchies because he's <laughs> eating. I mean, he's just been eating a lot of sandwiches. A lot of sandwiches. A lot of sandwiches. Yeah. Right. Lot what of else sandwiches. are you going to do in that tent? Right. He's, he's pretty funny in that documentary. When, <laughs> is, yeah. it, it, is vegetables uh, the the impetus for the radiant radish? I don't when, know. When Probably. Is that? Yeah, we'll sure talk about that in same, time. The same okay. kind of stuff, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I love that song. Yeah. I, it's so it's so warm and awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, though, probably this might be sacrilege, but I think my favorite version of Vegetables is probably the solo one on the 2004 right. recording. It's just got great forward, propulsive mm-hmm. momentum. Okay, but it, we I have a problem here. Because we're talking about some of these tracks yeah, on an I album know. that hasn't even come out. I know, I know, I what? know. But let, let, let's no. Well, let's keep talking about some of these songs here. Okay, okay. They're they're in the glory days. This yeah. collaboration that that Van Dyke Parks in this documentary I think refers to like quite literally as heaven. Mm-hmm. And what else are they writing? Um, I don't know. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez, what a great song. Yeah. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Oh, just. I guess for my dad's sake, I want to interject and just clarify that the documentary's title is Beautiful Dreamer, mm. and it's available on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, there it is. It is. <laughs> Watch it. Uh, but yeah, wonderful. So, so beautiful. It's so good. And, and I know we're talking about recordings that aren't out yet, but like, this is one that, um, I don't know, that's full glory, I don't think was really realized until the Brian version started to come out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Carl version is good too, but like, mm-hmm. there's a lot more going on in the Brian, like the harpsichord version. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, it, it's it's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see another couple. I mean, Here's wind wind chimes. Well, yeah, wind chimes. Wind chimes is great. 
uh, I, I heard you start to say we're going to get to that one okay. in a minute because yeah, yeah. that I figured. that's a critical key moment. Right. One thing to to that I think is really sort of interesting about talking about um, the Smile Project. There's sort of varying arguments on whether or not Brian intended good vibrations to be a part of it. And I believe really sort of what is seen as canon is that Brian did not want good vibrations to be part of smile. It always feels kind of tacked on. It doesn't really fit with Mm -hmm. the themes or, or even the, I don't know, compositional style. Mike Love got his mitts on. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I think that the, Hey, we're going to, cause I want to say um, that they, when they put together, the album cover. Right. It says good vibrations. It good says vibrations, good, vibrations good vibrations all over yeah. it, right? Oh, wait a minute. Sounds like it's time for an episode oh. of Sound and Vision. Oh, boy. All right, it's time for Sound of Vision, where we discuss all things aesthetic using the scale provided to us by David Bowie. Glenn, if we really like something, we call it a... No. That's right, David Bowie's masterpiece. If we really don't like something, Tim, we call it a... Never let me down. In which David Bowie definitely... definitely yeah, definitely fuck you, David Bowie. Hey. hey oh, soon. sorry. Too Just soon. for that one hey. album. Yeah. Hey. Hey, guys. Hey, let's and dance. And if it's uh, it, if it's uh, in the middle, you know, we've got a comfortable middle ground. Let's dance. Let's dance. David Bowie, Bowie's. I can't talk. Okay. David Bowie's okayest album. Okayest. Yeah. 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 All right. So, all right. So, smile. Frank Holmes. Frank, Frank Holmes. Holmes. Tell me. Tell me about Frank Holmes. Well, I don't know anything well, about Frank. Holmes, I mean, I really, forget but. whose friend he was, but he was, you know, someone in the circle. Part of the entourage. Um, right. And the album cover came together before the album really did. And apparently mm-hmm. it was a source of inspiration for the album. Yeah. Because like, you know, just the idea of smile and then all the smiles and, you know, the the sort of bright, happy sort of vibe of it, I think, sort mm-hmm. of fed into the whole overall thing. Um, I think it was actually, well, no, that's not true. It was uh, the title, Smile, was before the cover, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love it because it looks like it was done in Marker. Mm. You know what I mean? You can see all those like line, like the green inside yeah, the windows. There's a, there's a naivete to yeah. it. There's like mm-hmm. this kind of child, childlike quality. Right. And it looks like those kind of markers you'd get as a kid in elementary school. Uh-huh. You know? Can you like sniff this album cover? <laughs> I'm sure the original. Yeah. Mm. All right. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, this. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just like a picture of a little storefront, and it's done in markers. It's kind of this Americana right. type. Oh, yeah. Is it suggesting that you can buy happiness? Mm. Ooh. Mm. But it's referred to as the smile shop. The smile shop. Um, yeah. This is like the lowest of the low for me as far as rating it. Like, I like this cover a lot. I like it too. Yeah. 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 Like, I like it. Definitely like, you know, low. a lot of the other ones that, um, you know, a lot of the other good album covers, like, the context sort of plays into them, like pet sounds. Um, you know, because it's such an anti, like the kind of cover you wouldn't expect to go on some like big, you know, super duper album. But this is like out of context is cool. Mm-hmm. It's you know? literally it's a piece of at. art. Yeah. It's literally a piece of art mm-hmm. that says something. And it's communicating yeah. something that connects and that I think furthers the mu- the music. I think it mm-hmm. supports it and it continues yeah. to comment on it. Um you know, there is that element of it that it's intentionally kind of has that childlike quality oh, to yeah. it. It's like, like it's cartoon. sure, yeah. of course, you can you can buy happiness. <laughs> you know, yeah, you can buy a smile. Look, and it's the it's the fifties. Yeah, just <laughs> walk 50s. into the sh- or 
walk into this storefront shop. It has a little bit of a retro It does kind of have a bit of a a square vibe to Mm -hmm. it. Lots of the shape. Yeah. It's great. It yeah. is it is low. It's I, low. I, I'm totally okay with a low on this one. Yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right. Good episode. Yay. Hey, let's take a quick break and we're gonna come uh, back and talk a little bit about like the recording now, uh, as we go from writing to putting this stuff on tape. So we'll be right back. down the highway we're talking about the smile project and uh i guess the recording process now i mean we've talked about some of the songs already do we want to kind of finish that off or just go into well i think i think you said smile project right yeah uh, we, we're intentionally not talking about smile sessions no because yeah, we'll because that'll come down the road yeah. when when all of these recordings become mm-hmm. like public publicly accessible they actually release all of these session recordings but at this point it's just a project it's it's an album that's supposed to come out here mm-hmm. and we talked about how it's getting composed it's getting written mm-hmm. brian is high as a kite and probably everyone else as well yeah um in the circle and there's a lot of positive like mm-hmm. energy going on lots of good vibes yeah lots of like feeling out okay i'm, I'm liking uh, this uh, hold, hold on Tony Asher would like you to go back and rephrase that. <laughs> Lots of good vibrations. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Lots mm-hmm. of good vibrations happening. Uh, positive energy. Um, he's getting positive feedback. We're soaring. Uh, everything's good. Let's go into the studio now. Let's right. now go into the studio yeah. and let's. This no, is, no, 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 we're, we're still happy. We're still happy? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. oh, we're, we're definitely happy. Did, yeah. I, did I foreshadow too much? You, a little bit too much, yeah, okay. because <laughs> first off, you know, when, when Tim had kind of alluded to it, are we talking about the writing, are we talking about the recording, that's one of the things that, that's really different about this particular album is they're happening really simultaneously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've written the, the main structure of several, several major songs. Mm-hmm. We, we've already talked about several of them. We didn't yet talk about Cabanesses, which is also great mm-hmm. but now the, the question of when you're recording this material it, it's still you're kind of in the writing process because how does it all come together because brian has these little short fragments that are going to find themselves stitched together to create this whole piece but that's all coming later because it hasn't happened yet well, but, but yeah but now we're in that process of recording and and obviously you know he's his, the brain's ticking and he's figuring out how are these things going to go together it, it's all happening simultaneously yeah but a lot of it is centered around one particular song mm-hmm. that we haven't yet talked about. We've alluded mm-hmm. to already a little mm-hmm. bit. But very, very, very much of the, the smile story here is connected to this one central piece, yeah. the, the centerpiece of the smile project, and that is... Heroes and villains. Heroes and villains. Does that mean no, it's not? It, it's, uh, no, uh, no, it's uh, not, no. not. Not yet. <laughs> There will be time for that. And by the way, just to let everybody know, I mean, you already see it in the timer. This is going to be a little bit of a longer episode. So just 
Buckle up. Buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Deal with it. Yeah. Deal. Deal with it on this one. We kind of broke the uh, tradition with our our last one. So yeah. Heroes and villains. Yeah. Compositionally, first off, unbelievable. Yeah. Such a such a great melody. Incredible. That descending melody is mm-hmm. is a thing of beauty. That yeah. first line, uh, then <laughs> it's so many words, but I, it, yeah, it works. <laughs> it, well, it, it always reminds me with, of, of a song that hadn't yet come out. But that first like little line, really long line of "I am the walrus." Oh yeah, yeah. Where it just like goes uh. and goes and goes and goes and goes, and then it, it just sort of ends, and you're like left thinking, "All right, my my head's still kind of spinning Spin, trying to put right. all that together." Yeah, but that was <laughs> fucking awesome. And yeah, just the whole, uh, it, it's just like, bam, right here you go. And then the song, it's similar to Good Vibrations in the sense that it has sections and movements and things like that. It shifts gears several times. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, nobody knows really what is right. still to this day. Uh, there's been a quote-unquote canon version. Mm-hmm. There was eventually a single, and we're going to talk about that whole saga. But still to this day, people are are still creating their own like perfect versions of heroes and villains because the question is, like, is... Heroes and villains, three and a half minutes. Is it six minutes? Is right. it 11 minutes? Right. Is it an entire side of what's going to become Smile? What is and isn't part of it? Because there's a lot of like melodies that are repeated throughout. Oh, yeah. Uh, that mm-hmm. that pop up in different maybe movements, as it were. And you mm-hmm. hear these like almost like you would have an aria come in and out of, a, of, a, of an operatic composition. It's, there are a lot of themes that, mm-hmm. and motifs that right, come motifs that back and repeat yeah. throughout and this. And so, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and if you look, for instance, at the, you know, we're not talking about the sessions yet, but if you look and, mm-hmm. and listen to those, and you'll see, like, labeled as part of Heroes and Villains stuff like mm-hmm. uh, The Old Master Painter, Your Mindless Sunshine, um, what else? Uh, I mean, Great Shape and Barnyard were apparently maybe part of Heroes and Villains. Mm-hmm. Um, fragments of Do You Like Worms or Roll Plymouth Rock, as it's known. Even the right. first couple tracks are considered by some to be part of Heroes and Villains. Yeah. Nobody really exactly knows what was and wasn't, I suppose, part of this song. But it's all central to the Smile Project. And part of the like craziness of it is there were like 50 hours of tape. Like... <laughs> Can you wrap your head around that? There's like 50 hours of studio recordings from a bunch of different studios of a bunch of different parts of a bunch of different fragments that like mm-hmm. it's it's a massive yeah. puzzle. But you got to have, you know, you get the sense that there's a little bit of a savant thing happening yeah. with Brian. And yeah, I, he had an idea. I seem to take notes, but like he... Yeah, he's probably like, I know this takes on Unreal 3 or yes. whatever, but still. You got a sense that he kind of knew what was going on, and uh-huh. that's that's part of the fascination about yeah. this, is that if you go and listen to Heroes and Villains, whatever version it is, you could hear all of those little movements and motions. I think that's what's so fascinating about it, is, is if you're looking, if you're stepping back and looking at the timeline, you know, different people would have heard different snippets at mm-hmm. different points of time. Because before all of the sessions were released, you know, years later, um, you know, there were little pieces that would come out or, you know, Brian might play a melody of heroes and villains at a party or something. And there's all kinds of little like teases of Mm -hmm. this that's been floating around. 
um, which yeah. is pretty fascinating. Well, and bits and pieces of this whole project would right. be peppered throughout following albums. You know, like the next few albums, there's hey, right. this songs from Smile, this songs from Smile. Right. And, and so here's mm-hmm. this is part of this is part of the um, the tumultuous um, layer here is that some of that paranoia, some of that mental health starts creeping in in these recordings, and so. There, there. Different Beach Boys have commented on the record over the years that this is one of the more painful times for them uh, because Brian was out there and demanding, and at times like not making, making them, yeah a ton of sense, and having them like drain his pool and go record at the bottom while laying down. That's actually later. Yeah. Well, yeah. well but but some of that stuff but is they it, were he was making them crawl around the studio making animal noises right. and stuff. Right. Isn't that there's happening? A, Bruce there's a quote from Bruce where it just makes it sound like horrific and he's sore about it still. I don't know. Oh, wow. I thought that was from Al. But I think that uh, was from Bruce. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't heard that. What was that? I don't know. It's a long. It, it was it was the thing, yeah, it. about crawling He's, around. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, there I, there was one from Al, but there was another one from Bruce that I okay. saw. It was okay. Bruce actually said something about making them lie down in the studio. Um, yeah. But then Brian was like shouting orders at them and laughing <laughs> and being really cruel. Yeah, and and at, at one point, like Van Dyke said something about like he 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 ultimately stepped away because he was couldn't handle Brian's buffoonery. Yeah. Um, and, well, and Mike's... Um, and Mike's jealousy. Yeah. Like, oh, wait a minute. Other... Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's time for an episode of Heroes and Villains. What? That's right. It's time for Heroes and Villains, where we discuss the heroes and the villains, whatever it is we happen to be talking about this week in... Whoa, wait a minute. We are through the looking glass here because we are literally talking about heroes and villains. I'm confused. While we have an episode of heroes and villains. We're talking about the song or segment? We don't know, really. Yeah. Um, Okay, heroes and villains. First off, heroes. Brian, obviously. Because he's the eternal hero. Yeah. Van Dyke part. Yeah, I always see Van Dyke as a hero. Like, I feel like he's kind of that guy who who comes and. even though he and Brian have their back and forth a little bit, mm-hmm. I think that's probably because of maybe Brian's illness has like mm-hmm. not been super kind to their relationship. But yeah. I feel like Van Dyke is a positive influence right. in Brian. He's so like too. encouraging him and like pushing yeah, him. Yeah, he's to... kind of a, his rudder. I feel like yeah, um, because there's a, a you know when he leaves, uh, you know part of what I read was that. Brian kind of didn't know what to do. Mm. It seemed like Van Dyke was kind of keeping him on task in addition to just writing lyrics and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he was helping with the arrangements and like encouraging him. And mm-hmm. then, and then like it was his partner and then he was gone. Yeah. So that may have contributed to why it never actually got finished, finished. And, and Van Dyke Parks, you know, let's not just say, oh, this guy's a lyricist. First off, he was a brilliant musician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A session musician, but, but also Writer. just a, a, a great arranger. Yeah. Like his album song cycle comes out in 1967. It's, it's. I mean, it's definitely idiosyncratic, but it's yeah. great. It, it's really, really good. I've never, never listened to it all the way through because it like it starts so in such a weird way. Yeah, it, it is like, an, a, it's is an acquired taste yeah, for yeah. sure. But it, it's really, really good. Uh, once you get yeah. it, yeah. yeah, I gotta listen to it. But yeah, he's he's totally Van a Dyke's hero. hero. And, and yeah. after Brian, he's the hero. I think of the of the okay. smile sessions. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, time for the fucking villain. Mm. Yep. Um, I don't know. I mean, is there really a villain? Maybe mental illness. Maybe um, Desbutal. 
It's fucking Mike Love. It's Mike Love. Good God. Really? Like, of all the transgressions of Mike Love, (laughs) the one that is the worst, in my mind at least, as a fan of pop music is Mike Love more than anything else, even in Brian Wilson's own words, crapping on smile, is what keeps this album from us. Yeah. In the documentary, (laughs) he specifically says... Brian says, and I wrote the whole thing down, I'll tell you from my heart, in 1967, the reasons I didn't finish Smile were Mike didn't like it, number one. That's just the first thing he says. And then he says that Brian himself thought it was too experimental, and he thought the fire tape was too scary, mm-hmm. uh, and that people wouldn't understand him. But the primary reason was Mike didn't like it. Yeah. Like, that's, I, as far as I can tell, that's what took the wind out of his sails. Like, the, all none of the guys really were understood it, mm-hmm. but... I, Mike was a little bit more aggressively like, what the hell is this? Yeah. We're going to yeah. lose our audience. This isn't commercial. What does columnated Columna- domino mean? And the um, crow cries uncover the cornfields mm-hmm. line. He also, like he had Van Dyke Parks come in to explain it and he didn't. Yeah. Uh, and part of the reason, yeah, Van Dyke left was because he just like, he didn't feel like he needed to explain his lyrics and then you to got a this. jackass. Yeah. And this is like weird jealousy and. Yeah, it just became a negative atmosphere. Right. Well, and totally. You could tell Mike Love, mm-hmm. he's like, I did it with good vibrations. Why can't I write the, yeah. the music for it? I know how the it lyrics, works. Yeah. And Why what? aren't there any songs about root beer on this album? <laughs> yeah. I know how to fix it. <sighs> so, so frustrating. <laughs> so, fr- yeah, definitely Mike's the villain. No question. E- eternal, eternal, eternal villain. fucking villain. And in this episode, probably more than any other episode. Yeah. Because... Ah. <laughs> and because as you of know, this, as we've already alluded, this album does not come out. We have something today called the Smile Session, sure, and it comes out in 2011. And yes, it is fucking glorious. It is amazing. But we do not have Smile in 1967. No, we've got Brian Wilson presents. We, 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 we eventually, yeah, we get Brian doing his own version. Which we'll talk about that. We'll have an episode about both of these things. But we do not end up with Smile in 1967. Mm-hmm. And the world of pop music suffers and, and you immensely a, as a result of that. You get a sense that the the uh, the Beach Boys pro- progression momentum hits a zenith and just crashes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you get a sense that now, oh my gosh, we had so much momentum. We had Pet Sounds. Can you imagine if in 1967 you had you had you had well if you had Rubber Soul, you had Pet Sounds, you had Revolver, you had Smile, yeah, <laughs> Sergeant Pet, like, yeah, like the limitless possibilities of what could continue to come, but no, it comes crashing down. The entire landscape of pop music would have been so different if that idea of modular recording had proven to be something that could reasonably be obtained with a fuck ton of effort, but reasonably obtained in 1966-67. It's it's just it's tragic that this album doesn't get to be finished because it was so damn close. Yeah. Everything really is recorded. Almost everything is recorded. There's some vocal parts that yeah. we don't have in, in their 1967 form, but all oh, was so tantalizingly close. Yeah. And Mike fucking... <laughs> well, and, and let's also not forget, Capitol Records deserves some villainry yeah. distinction here as well, too. They are continually pushing. We need an album. We need an album. We well, need an album. This, this is Capital, maybe Derek Taylor too, but like they started marketing it. They did. Before mm-hmm. it was even fully written, like yeah. before it was recorded, they're like, smiles coming out, everybody. Mm-hmm. Remember Good Vibrations? It's going to be more of that. Yeah. 
just putting all these expectations on Brian. Mm-hmm. And we talked about him being sensitive to feedback. Like he was getting positive feedback until the boys come back from tour. And then suddenly it's like, oh shit, self-doubt. And, and he shelves it. Added with the, well, yeah, and the expectations right. too. Like he's at that point, now that he knows that some people are going to hear it and not like it, he's worried about his reputation and like mm-hmm. not living up to the expectations that everybody has. Mm-hmm. So it just, it kind of drives him crazy. It's, yep. And so he takes it, he shelves it. He's, he's like, nope, we're not putting it out. Um, Brian makes that call, even though yeah. like, um, yeah. And this was, yeah. Now, right around the time that this is all happening, heroes and villains will come out. Right. Um, so you were saying it's so tantalizingly close. We have heroes and villains actually yeah. kind of gets pieced and is it released. Is that come out before? It, it does. does it come and out before Smiley Smile? Uh, yeah. Okay. And it, and it's hard to really kind of is this really truly heroes and villains? Right. I mean, there were sure. mock-ups. You you hear these stories about how. Um, apparently, you know, versions that were six minutes had been played to, to some people in the know. Um, there's an alternate version out there that includes the famous cantina, um, mm-hmm. section that was circulating. It was never released, but it was, you know, a mix that had been done at that point in 1967. What comes out is a, a three and a half minute version of the song. Oh, okay. And it's, you know, released as a single. I think it was officially the first release by Brother Records. Yeah. It's distributed by Capitol. But um, even in that truncated form, it's still amazing. It is, but it still fell on its face compared to Good Vibrations. It did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which was another indication maybe to Brian that people weren't ready or they weren't going to like it as much. I mean, it fell on its face is a little bit, I would say maybe of a little bit of a misnomer. Like there's all this mm-hmm. story about, oh, it only did this. It got to number 12. Right. I mean, it was still a Oh, hit. I thought it was 40. Maybe I'm thinking of Smiley Smile. It was like yeah, 40. Smiley Smiley. Yeah. 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 But okay, it, it was like I was just out of curiosity because I don't have the the forty five other than the one that comes with the Smile Sessions box set. So I was like looking it up, and you can find copies of the forty five of it for like eight or ten bucks. Okay, like mm. with the actual picture sleeve and everything. So mm. it it had to have sold well. Yeah, it, yeah, and it reached number twelve. Okay. So it wasn't like a flop. It right. was just. Not Where as, do you go after good vibrations? Right, 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 right. Pretty much only you you go down. Whether it's art, I mean, artistically set that aside, mm. but commercially, where do you go after good vibrations? Right. It, it's almost certainly going to be down. Yeah. Now it's also at this point, the Beatles have released a little single of their own, Ugh. which is pretty good. Yeah, it, it's all right. You it's know, pretty, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 if if we could hold, hold on a minute. Yeah, I just did it. I'm oh, giving okay. a Brian to, <laughs> to, the, Wilson, to the Beatles to the Beatle single that comes yeah. out. Yep. Strawberry Fields Forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As the, also, as, as the B side. Uh, well, as <laughs> the, they, they were co A side. It was a double right. A side. Strawberry Fields up. Forever, Penny Lane. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, that's pretty that's, good. Yeah, that's a perfect. Yeah. Definitely, like Strawberry Fields, definitely the most advanced thing the Beatles had done yeah. to that point. Yeah. So Brian, Brian feels that he's been beaten in, sort in this of. race. And I mean, you know, there was that scene. I mean, I don't remember if they talk about this in the documentary if, if or not, but um, you know, he says he was in the car, he yeah. was on downers, he had to pull over when he first heard that song because it was so, you know, it blew his mind. And then he told the guy who's in the car with that, oh, well, they beat me. What's the point in finishing this anymore? But then they laughed about it. They kind of laughed it off. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if he mentions that in the doc, mm-hmm. but. Like, he said that, but I don't think that really necessarily took the wind out of his sails, you know, as much as the Mike thing did. Yeah. Well, and then, on mm-hmm. top of all of that, um, a, a building burns down. 
Have we, have we talked about this? Well, you yeah. haven't. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, while all of this is happening, Brian's he's got he's getting pumped up, but also deflated, and like there's this roller coaster of emotions, tumultuous. Right. And on top of all of that, there's this paranoia going on. Like at some yeah. point, he's thinking like. Phil Spector is bugging his oh, studio sessions. Got pretty bad. And and he's um, he goes full Kanye at one point. Yeah, it, yeah. it well, gets not full Kanye. No. Well, no. So like they they <laughs> go into one session and they're doing what was it always the, called? the phrase Death Con, which is no. well, but three so is never utilized by he, Brian he does Wilson. apparently at one point. Um, think that he's the target of a quote Jewish conspiracy involving Phil Spector. Yeah. But he says that to David Anderley, mm. who was who is Jewish, and he was shocked and like stopped speaking to Brian for a time mm. before, you know, he eventually forgave him. So I, I like to think that Brian having such a close, you know, inner circle person actually being Jewish mm-hmm. and and him saying, you know, something terrible like that or Brian saying something terrible. I hope I would like to think that that kind of woke him up. Like, oh wait, no, that's that's bullshit. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff going on, and and like mm-hmm. even just like as he 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 gets there, and there's footage you can see of them recording these fire sessions. So yeah, the elements fire. fire and, uh, right. That, it really kind of like we're talking about the mental decline. It really personifies that, or, or you know. Mm-hmm. It, you can hear it in the music and you see it in the photos. He's not wearing a shirt. Yeah. And he's it's wearing the fire helmet. Yeah. He brings like... a, a bucket of wood into the studio, sets it on fire. So it would smell like smoke. <laughs> like, yeah, he's kind of falling off the and, rails. And, well, but, uh, and also, but it's also out there. Like yeah. he's, he's thinking about, um, you know, this idea of elements and he's yeah. got this health food and this, uh, this, um, humor album. And it's almost like smile. He wants to do yeah, is yeah. a, Conglomeration of all of these right. albums together, several it's, ideas going or, on, at the same or time. maybe it's like it's it's the impetus of this that and and he's setting us up for something to come. Like this is yeah. like a a teaser or a um, you know maybe a prologue mm-hmm. to like the next three albums yeah. that the Beach Boys could put out. I mean, Fire was supposed to be part of a larger suite. It was air, water, right, earth, and, and, and so like that's yeah. that's some of the stuff we were talking about. You know, the villainy of Mike is that it kind of craps on what could have been. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and then, that, you know, of course at the same time, Brian's like freaking out. Right. They, they do this whole fire um, recording session. And according to him, fire that hats and building stuff. down the street burns down on the same day. On the same day. <laughs> and he but thinks it was he caused like, it, sort he of. He thinks, yeah, he yeah. feels guilty that he caused it. And so he's <laughs> all paranoid. And, that, and so he like wants to shelve everything. And so... That's mm-hmm. essentially right. Yeah, I mean, and I believe Heroes and Villains as as a single comes out right around the time that the shelving had occurred. Mm-hmm. Well, the, um, yeah, it's funny because Derek Taylor says in the press um, that on in late April, April 29th, he says all the tracks are recorded. This thing's ready to come out any minute. And then on May a week later, yeah, May sixth, he says. Oh, it's been scrapped, but that was not necessarily the official announcement. Uh, the because fu- like there's speculation that Brian hadn't even made that decision yet. Uh, but the final recording session was May 18th. Okay, and and Heroes and Villains actually doesn't even come out till July 31st. Okay, um, which I need to check. I think this might even be uh, more or less the same version, right? That's on the next album. I think it is, yeah. But again, sort well, of, it is. It, it is. represents sort of a 
eh, end really to right. the uh, to the project as a whole. Um, there's an anecdote by Bruce Johnston of all people, um, where he's talking about how he was in a club in London, I think, and he had been there when they premiered the uh, the new single "Heroes and Villains" on the dance floor. Yeah, dance did you, did floor. you see this one? No. And he's like, yeah, everybody gets up and they're they're dancing, and then it goes into the slow <laughs> heroes and villains part, and everybody stopped dancing, and he knew right then that the single was gonna that it was gonna tank, and it's like, well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay, maybe I can see what you're you're saying, but nobody's out there, you know, dancing to Strawberry maybe. Fields forever, right? Or in and Penny like, Lane, like, Good Vibrations has the little breakdown part yeah, too, yeah, so, yeah. That, but. <laughs> Then again, it's Bruce Johnston. Like, what value yeah. does he have? <laughs> it's right. a very large head. It's middling. Yeah. It makes very, his voice resonate in Very, a very large head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I say that as a big-headed person. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I want to take uh, another quick break and come back and talk a little bit about essentially what happens in the interim between yeah. the failure of Smile and the eventual release of yeah. the Smile Sessions. Right. Yeah. So we'll be right back. for a uh, quick little segment talking about sort of what happens in all of the intervening years. So we've talked about already that uh, Smile, the the project collapses in 1967, late spring, early summer. But like super publicly collapses because yeah. mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's everybody picks up whatever new uh, music magazine yeah. and like that's what people want to find out. Is it ready yet? Is it ready? And... And it mm-hmm. never, never comes to fruition. And they have these contractual obligations too that keep coming up. At one yeah. point, they get fined like fifty thousand dollars by Capital because it didn't come out like two years later or whatever. Yeah. So, so the and this is where some of the mystique of all of this happens is mm-hmm. that that somehow there have been leaks of these recordings get out. Well, sure. So, yeah, what I was saying before you so rudely interrupted me, Glenn. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Is we don't get like an official release of anything smile until Brian Wilson's recreation reconstruction of it in 2004. Then in 2011, uh, we have the smile sessions box set. We're going to have an episode about both of those things. Yeah. But in that interim period, even between that, some things will trickle out. Some things will actually trickle out officially too. So for instance, several of these songs will find their way onto actual beach boys albums. Right. Our prayer cabin essence, Mm -hmm. Uh, surfs up. Yep. Um, Mama says is based on one yep. of the songs. Yeah. Um, vegetables, wind chimes, and wonderful. Right. So pieces of smile make their way out there. Not the actual recordings and from they, 1966 and 67, right. but those songs find their way out. And most of really the major songs of smile do find their way out to uh, to the public. Mm-hmm. So people become aware that the material is great. Those are oftentimes, usually, like the highlights of those respective albums. Even when yeah, when a right. smile song's on there, it's probably the best thing that's going to be on there. And usually, they were happening like in lieu of Brian 
offering up new material. It's like, all right, well, here's you know the Brian Wilson. And he was resistant to even re-recording. T- typically, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the that's the problem is Brian now has been crushed. He's is, he's been deflated. A bad association. And so, like, we yeah. start to get we start to get you know Brian's off into you know uh, um, seclusion. And well, s- or- I would say that a lot of that happens a little later. We're going to talk about a sort of intervening era. But but it's Still, also but, but but I think the the mentality of Brian kind of being defeated. It's like here, just take some of this and you know throw this out there, and it's not it's not really the way it was meant to be. And so I feel like there was almost like some money grubbers. Like we got to piece, piece something together. Let's take some of Brian's gems from the smile, and maybe that'll make something palatable for the record label yeah but i do think that there is a misconception about what smile does in the larger story of brian wilson's biography i think there's a perception that a lot of people have and i think it's even kind of supported by this documentary that we've talked about that we all like that smile fails and then brian spends the next decade in bed (laughs) his his real true seclusion doesn't really happen for a few more years Um, we're going to talk about the post smile trilogy, as I call it of albums, smiley smile, wild honey and friends. Brian is very involved with all three of those records. Mm -hmm. So he's not like a total recluse at this point. He's engaged. It's just, things are different. And we're going to talk about that next week when we discuss smiley smile specifically, but yeah, he, he doesn't, it's not. Smile fails. Now Brian is ruined as a person. He's certainly dealing with some shit. Right. Yeah. But his seclusion doesn't happen yet at this point. But, and I think that that's a misconception. It's a misconception that I had, sure. I think, at one point. And, and I think it's sort of perpetuated by the way in which Smile is sort of portrayed as the thing that broke Brian. Mm. But here's the other interesting, like, fascinating piece is because there are these, like, trail breadcrumbs out there it's allowed for like super crazies like us to like latch on and like play little, you know, fantasy football with these little snippets uh-huh. and like, what if we piece together, here's how I would have done it. And so you have all of these novice, just fans playing record producer thinking like, Oh, here's how smile really should have come out. And so you have all these little fan collections or bootlegs mm-hmm. thinking, using these different pieces from various albums, like, here's how I might have done it, or this is what I would have, uh, how I would have sequenced it. So these things trickle out in forms both legitimate and illegitimate. Um, there's a lot of bootlegs that start to find their way out there of actual smile tapes in the 70s. Um, you know, cassette trading in the 80s really kind of perpetuates a lot of this stuff. Officially, some of it did get released in 1993, I think. There's a CD box set, Good Vibrations. And I th- uh, want to yeah. say it's like the last disc of that had several of the original mm-hmm. Smile um, recordings in it. And yeah, as Glenn says, a lot of people just kind of take it upon themselves to start piecing together their own versions of Smile. Did you do it? I did, yeah. yeah. Um, I did it quite a bit later, though. Uh, I was not around in the 70s right. and I uh, was too young to be trading tapes via mail with weirdos in the (laughs) 1980s. So um, I actually really didn't become super aware of Smile until, you know, after, of course, I'd, you know, gotten into the Beatles or Beach Boys via um, Pet Sounds. So it was probably around 2002, 2003, where I sort of became aware of like, oh, there's this lost Beach Boys Mm -hmm. album. I was actually under the impression that the tapes had been destroyed. Mm. That's been sort of referenced in, in some places, I think, I don't think it's the documentary that we watched, but I want to say it's one of the other, or not documentary, the uh, 
made for TV film. Right. <laughs> but I want to say it's like one of the other ones. There's like the the evil one that's even worse. In which I think they actually show him he might just be like burning the album covers or bit right, or whatever. Right, but yeah. there was this myth that was out there that like that Brian destroyed all of the session tapes right, from right. Smile and mm-hmm. all of that. There, there was something about some I forget what song it was, some master tape missing and so for the stereo mix that came later, they had to use some crazy computer technology to like extract the individual yeah, parts. Yeah, probably and stuff. similar to what the what the Beatles did recently. With uh, okay, the, yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't. It wasn't like all of Smile, but it was like one particular song. Yeah, I think I yeah. forget which one. So yeah, I did make my own version after the Brian Wilson presents Smile uh, thing came out. I basically tried to recreate my own. Uh, using GarageBand, my own version of oh, that, nice. just using nice. as much of the original session tapes as possible. Yeah. Um, so it was it was fun. Um, eventually, I found what was for for several years kind of considered the gold standard of these. It was the Purple Chick bootleg, Chick. Um, which did a, a really good job of yeah recreating the as, as we call it BWPS. Brian Wilson presents Smile <laughs> um, using session tapes. It did a better job than I did with mine. So I just started listening to that one a whole lot. Mm. And is then it obviously, available? is it out there? Can you it's probably it? still out there oh, on, yeah. on YouTube and such. Um, but yeah, then in 2011, and again, we're gonna have an episode about this. But the Beach Boys say, "All right, well, we'll make our own version of it. Uh, we'll we'll do what all the bootleggers and you know traders right. have been doing for years. We'll just make our own mix of the Smile album." Right. Right. And uh, they put that together in the Smile sessions, and we'll we'll talk about that in time. Mm-hmm. But that, like releasing that whole box set. In some ways, I kind of thought, oh, well, this means it's just going to be sort of the the end of the whole tape trading. We're going to make our own version of Smile because now the, the Beach Boys did their official, official canon version canon, of it. Right, right. But apparently, like in, in just doing the research for this, it's just it's like escalated because more. there's yeah. all of that session material <laughs> yeah. out there. So people mm-hmm. have been, you know, getting really creative with making their own versions uh, of it. And I, I listened to a few this week. They're, they're fun. It's kind um, of fun, too. Like, I, I got I went in down a rabbit hole with that, with um, Smiley Smile. We'll talk about that next yeah. week. But, um, yeah, there's similar things that you can do with that. There's there's some really good ones out there. Um, there are some that where I'll, I'll like it for a while, and then they start using a whole bunch of different, like, I don't know, tricks and techniques mm. and using, like, weird kind of shitty reverbs on it instead <laughs> and... It's like, all right, well, you had a good idea there. What I found interesting uh, are several different like fan mixes that they've made of like, here's what I think heroes and villains would be like perfected. Mm-hmm. Not like I'm going to try to make the whole Smile album, but I'm just going to hone in on what could heroes and villains mm-hmm. have been if it had come out in that like 11 minute version or six minute version or or what have you. And th- those are kind of interesting to listen to. I haven't heard any of this nerd shit. Um, <laughs> And I, that's okay. Well, <laughs> one thing that I think is kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe this is just the dumb way in which I think about stuff, but uh, the whole notion of Brian Wilson creating Smile in the Sandbox, right? Yeah. And that it's become like this sandbox. You talk about yeah. like a sandbox yeah. video game where you open world, you can go do whatever <laughs> you want. And like that's what fans totally. are doing with it. They're just like playing in the sandbox and, destroy, and yeah. making their own versions of, of Smile and Heroes and Villains. And maybe... In the end, now that we have all of that, now that, you know, what happened happened, maybe that's the legacy this album was supposed to have. Seriously. Maybe the best thing is that it is still the great lost album of pop music history. And that, I mean, look at... And and maybe Mike Love is really a hero. (laughs) No, fuck that. (laughs) But dude, look at how the, the, the music today like it's so accessible now we can all be in a sandbox like you could you could go and like mm-hmm. you know 
open up GarageBand and and do your own kind of tweaking. I mean, shoot. Uh, is Al Jardine going to come in and shit in my copy <laughs> in of your, GarageBand? Garage <laughs> we may or may not have dabbled in modular you can call writing me ourselves. Yeah, like, that's, that's sort of the elephant in the room here. All of these little pieces of our royalty-free-to-us music that you're hearing is... Us uh, messing us, around. Us making with modular, modular music and making an album. It's a it, freaking blast. It was fun. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Brian. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you, Sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, it's just an album that has its own special legacy in the history of pop music. I guess yeah. maybe the 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 tragedy is that people who really really wanted Smile in real time in 1967, they never got perhaps a lot of them the finished version because mm-hmm. they weren't around in 2004 when Brian actually mm-hmm. released it and when the the real sessions you know, came out and all that. But it, it's a special. You can't even call it an album, but it's a special project in the history mm-hmm. of popular music, and maybe it is as special as it is. It deserves its own unique legacy, I suppose. Yeah, sure. And I mean, if we're rating these songs, just like here's what Brian made in 1966 and 67. However, Smile would have been put together. Well, let's be honest here. It is Brian Wilson. <laughs> It's it's a fucking Brian. Brian. Yeah. God. Just, oh, they're just, rating it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't have to because it doesn't come out. Right. But right whatever right. incarnation it would have come out as, <gasps> just look, look at that. Oh, so good. Look at those eight or ten major songs that are there, and you've got Even just something. The aura, the spirit of it. Yeah. You've got something that magic. Th- this might be blasphemy, but that probably would have been about as good as Pet Sounds. Mm. It's just mm-hmm. special, special mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. It is special. Um, you know what else is a Brian and uh, a low is the size of my bladder right now. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, this let's, is let's... A long, this episode's officially too long. Okay. Well, let, let's take one more quick break, and we'll be right back to wrap it all up. Yay. So this doesn't matter. No, it does still matter. So uh, thanks for listening again this week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our uh, revisitation of the Smile Project. Uh, we will, like we said, be back, uh, and then we'll talk about BWPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah BWPS. And uh, the Smile Sessions. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll be talking about those Smile tracks as we uh, reach the other albums that are coming up, uh, yeah. because there's lots of them out there. And, uh, yeah, you know what to do. Smash like we the said. like. Smash the like. Subscribe. Share with your friends. Talking Beach like, Boys. Tell people about this. Tell your grandma. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you, tell your grandma. It's clean ish. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe yeah. not. I don't think TV my 14. To it. TV 14. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, well, hey, thanks for joining us again this week, and we will be back next week to talk about. Smiley smile. Hey. Later. I'm going to take a Sloop John P. Yay. Yeah.